Welcome to Don't Box Me In, the show that features conversations with people from all walks of life, talking about their extraordinary experiences and inspirational messages. Now, here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello, hello. I am Lana Reed, and welcome back to this week's edition of Don't Box Me In. You know, many things have led me to the work that I do today and uh, this radio show, but one life event, the death of my husband and becoming a single parent, has allowed me to give others encouragement that when life becomes challenging, uh, that the days ahead do get better. Today I'm chatting with health and wellness author Harriet Hodgson, who has experienced much more grief and loss and the topsy-turvy that comes along with it than I can ever imagine. She is a member of the Association of Healthcare Journalists, also a member of Association for Death Education and Counseling, and uh, the Minnesota Coalition for Death Education and Support. Harriet is here today to share her own personal journey of becoming a grandparent and raising grandchildren while dealing with the grief that comes, grief that comes along with the loss of a loved one. I'm so happy to have Harriet on the show today and giving her a big, warm welcome. Harriet, welcome to Don't Box Me In. Thank you so much. And I am talking to you today from Minnesota, is that correct? That's right, Rochester, Minnesota. Rochester, Minnesota, is that close to some big city we might be familiar with? Uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Okay, okay, many years ago I was there in that, uh, what is that, Mall of America thing there. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you guys are coming out of a a cold winter there, huh? Finally, it's spring. I'm excited. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know how you guys deal with that stuff, so uh, kudos to you. But uh, I'm glad to have you here with me today, and I I thank you for sharing your story. I mean, it takes a lot sometimes to open up and share, but I find uh, that that kind of helps in the whole healing process. So, you know, thank you again for hanging out with me today. Uh, we're going to be talking. I, Go ahead, dear. I was going to say I agree with you so much. Sharing the story, uh, you don't realize you may be helping someone else. So, so true. I just, so true. Yeah, I just <laughs> let it all hang out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I, I think that was one of the things that I had to learn in my own personal uh, growth because, you know, when you're going through it, instinctively you just kind of want to hold on to it and, and, and nurse it internally, but it just it helps you. Um, to share and like I said when you start touching other people and realizing how sharing your story helps them helps them uh, get along with theirs it, it expedites your healing so you know I, I, that's the biggest lesson that I have learned through through my own personal journey so hopefully uh, mm-hmm. we'll get to share that with others today too um, but today we're going to talk about the life changes that affected your family um, but I want, before we get into that I want to learn a little bit more about your family uh, you and your husband raised how many children uh, we had two daughters. Two daughters, two daughters. And so 2007 is when we're going to begin um, your story for today. And you experienced quite a, a few back-to-back challenges there. And the first one uh, came with your daughter. Uh, can you yes. share with our, us what, what happened? Yeah. Uh, our, our elder daughter um, was a composite engineer, and she had an MBA, And in 2007, she couldn't find a job in Rochester, so she went to the Twin Cities and actually found a job in a a manufacturing plant north of the Twin Cities. And she ran three production lines and was commuting then from Rochester, Minnesota, uh, beyond the Twin Cities every day. She got up at 4 in the morning 
was sitting at her computer shortly after six. Mm. And I, when I heard that she took the job, I, I was scared mm-hmm. because I thought, well, you know, you're driving in blizzards mm-hmm. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and on black ice and mm-hmm. anything could happen. And uh, interestingly, because she was commuting long distances, uh, she made out a will mm-hmm. and she listed my husband and I as guardians of her children. Mm-hmm. And I never dreamed that Mm -hmm. we would start living the provision of that will. Mm -hmm. And she didn't die on the way from, you know, Rochester to the Twin Cities. She died very close to home, as so often happens. Mm. And she was on a road, a rural road, intersecting with a highway, and it intersected at an angle. And she couldn't see the car that was coming. And so it, it was a tremendous crash. Uh, and basically she died of blunt force trauma. My mm-hmm. granddaughter was in the car also, and they were coming home from a Girl Scout meeting. And, you know, I have no idea how someone with her schedule would even have time for the Girl mm-hmm. Scouts. But, yeah, but she wanted to do it for her daughter. Mm-hmm. And so here was this terrible crash and um, t- a lot of blood and we got a call from the Mayo Clinic helicopter. And I'm so grateful for the person who made that call because she said, it's your daughter, she's been in a crash, and it's terrible. Mm-hmm. And then I knew when she was that honest, that that was an inkling that, boy, it's it's time to marshal courage. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and so we went to the hospital and... Mayo Clinic surgeons operated on her for 20 hours in a desperate attempt to save her life. But as the lead surgeon said, he he came out and he said, you know, she is brain dead. And we no sooner fix one thing when something else breaks. And so we made that terrible decision to pull life support. And uh, she was an organ donor. And um, because she had made those arrangements, um, Two people, two people's lives were saved, and uh, two people were able to see. Awesome, but, awesome. Yeah, well, that that was bad enough, and you know, waiting in a hospital uh, for twenty hours. I mean, I actually lay down on the floor. Mm-hmm. But two days later, then uh, my father-in-law died. Um, he was ninety-eight and a half, and he too was. Uh, Mayo physician. My husband is a retired Mayo physician. And uh, Dad actually met Dr. Will and Charlie Mayo. I mean, he was 19 (laughs) and a half. He met these pioneering physicians. And so he basically died of pneumonia. And I knew that his death was imminent, but it it was still a a jolt because Mm -hmm. death, death is so final. Yes, indeed. Yeah, it was still a jolt. And so we had all of this going on, two loved ones dying the same weekend, Mm -hmm. my daughter on Friday, my father-in-law on Sunday. And we tried to, you know, muster our courage and cope. And then eight weeks later, my brother and only sibling died. Mm -hmm. And his death was um, supposedly caused by a heart attack, but... 
he had been receiving treatment for cancer, and I guess his heart didn't survive the treatment. So Mm -hmm. that was another blow. And we just thought, are we ever going to get out of this darkness? Mm -hmm. What's going to happen to us? Mm -hmm. You know, can can we survive this? Mm -hmm. And then in the fall of the same year, my twin grandchildren's father died in another car crash. Wow. So we had four family members died within nine months. So we would just start to feel a little bit better, and someone else would die. Mm -hmm. Start to feel a little bit bit better, another death. It was just awful. Awful. I mean, at some point, you're you're like, okay, how much more can we take? Exactly. Wow. So, well, I I, want to. I'm I'm trying to digest everything, but let me back up just a little bit. So, when you said your daughter was in the accident and you're in the hospital at the 20 hours. You also mentioned there that your granddaughter was in the car. Um, I just want to clarify, was she, did she yeah. suffer any injuries or anything? She had a slight concussion, and um, I, I later learned there was a tremendous amount of blood. My Our younger daughter and my husband uh, went out to where the car was. The police had pulled in the car, and... Uh, my younger daughter, who happens to be a licensed family counselor, said she just gasped mm-hmm. uh, all the blood that was there in the car. And it was clear, although our granddaughter had a slight concussion, that, that she was going to be fine physically. But mm-hmm. we certainly were concerned about her emotionally. Sure. And um, their father... Um, our daughter and the father had been divorced, and he said, okay, I will move in the house, I'll move in the house with the kids, and I will live there until they graduate from high school. But he didn't live there very long because mm-hmm. he was killed in, uh, a few months later. And so suddenly, uh, well, I, I just will never forget uh, standing outside of the emergency room and turning to my twin grandchildren and saying, you're coming home with us. Mm-hmm. And the instant those five words uh, were verbalized, I knew our lives had changed forever. Yes. And uh, the kids uh, stepped away from us. Our grandson is kind of protective of his sister. And mm-hmm. so he, you know, they moved away, and I could hear him say, uh, it makes sense. Uh, we've been going there for, for dinner every Sunday for years, <laughs> and we know the house. And mm-hmm. it makes sense. And it did make sense, but that didn't mean it wasn't a challenge. It, it mm-hmm. really was. And, okay. And, and we got counseling for our granddaughter, uh, and we offered counseling to our grandson. And he said that he didn't think he needed it, and we respected that. And we said, well, it's always available if you want it. They sound very mature going through this. How old were they at the time that this happened? They were 15 and a half. Okay. And, I mean, every age is a terrible age to lose a parent. But Mm -hmm. I think 15 is really tough. Mm -hmm. You're not sure who you are. You're not sure who your friends are. You're not sure if your friends will stick by you. And they found out that some friends didn't stick by them. Hmm. But then 
the opposite of that happened, and new friends emerged. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it was a healing process for us all. I must say, uh, we were living kind of a semi-retired life. My <laughs> husband had retired from Mayo but gone back on part-time. Mm-hmm. So we were pretty independent. If we wanted to go to dinner, we'd just, you know, go out to <laughs> dinner, or go for a ride, we'd go for yeah. a ride. Yeah, and that all changed uh, with the teenage schedule. <laughs> and, I can uh, imagine. <laughs> oh, yeah. So here we were at gymnastics meets yelling, you know, go, Haley, go, don't get a burn, you know. <laughs> and, and the marching band and, and all of these things. And... Uh, one funny story I have to include here is my grandson asked if a friend could come over and hang. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure what hang meant. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't have a, a very large vocabulary of teen slang. So I wanted to sound welcoming, and I said, oh, sure. Now, five minutes later, this tall, lanky boy walked in the door for dinner. Uh-huh. And uh, I had dinner for four. I didn't have dinner for five. So I think I opened some soup and, you know, we we made do. And then the boy stayed a while and stayed and watched some television. And well, so he, so he hung. And then he <laughs> hung all night. He stayed overnight. And then he hung for breakfast. And then he hung for lunch. And so I... I, you know, wasn't sure how long he was going to be with us, and I was running low on food. So I whispered to my grandson, you know, how long is he staying? <laughs> and my grandson, well, said, don't worry about it. And about ten minutes later, the boy left. And oh. I felt terrible. And I have since learned that teenagers who come to stay at your house for an extended time may be homeless. Mm. I did not know that, and I, I would never ask the question today, never. Wow. And I mentioned this story to a friend, and she said, oh, we had a boy come and stay with us for three days. Mm-hmm. So we have to be aware of these things. And Rochester, Minnesota is uh, an award-winning community on many levels. I mean, the city has received awards, and uh, it's well-known. The whole population is geared to help anybody who is ill or disabled. Uh, it's the home of Mayo Clinic. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't know that we had a whole population of homeless kids. It was a wow. jolt. Wow. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that to learn on both ends, I'm assuming, Um you know, with this whole thrust into this life situation that you guys have, you know, learned your grand grandkids have introduced you to, and I'm pretty sure you've introduced your grandkids to quite a lot as well. Um, Harriet, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, I want to talk more about that. Stay with me. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, 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 and welcome 
back. Uh, today I am with the author of many, many, many books, one of which is Happy Again, Miss uh, Harriet Hodgson, and she's also a member of the Association of Healthcare Journalists, plus many other things. And before the commercial break, we were talking about uh, one of the life turns or many, one of the many life turns that she was given and uh, the responsibility of raising her grandchildren and before the break you were telling us about your experience with your grandson and one of his friends coming to hang out with him that you realize uh, was homeless and uh, you know I was just reflecting and thinking you know that was one of the questions that I had for today was the difference in the generations and what you guys ended up teaching each other as grandparents and grandchildren and um, you know I'm, I'm assuming that your grandkids opened your eyes to a, a lot of things in that process of you guys living together and, and learning. Oh, our eyes were really opened, but I think their eyes were open too. Uh, we were fortunate in that they knew us. Uh, mm-hmm. They knew our house, as my grandson said, uh, and we. it took a while at first. I mean, it, I will admit it was a challenge. Mm-hmm. And the kids would, we had rules. I put rules up on the refrigerator and one of the rules was that you had to eat dinner with us mm-hmm. because I knew that the families that ate together, uh, the kids were more stable, they were mm-hmm. more apt to finish school, um, and they were more apt to communicate and understand what was going on in the family. Mm-hmm. And at first it was uh, the dinner was just a, a fuel stop, and then I said to my husband, you know, we let's put a, a pendant light over the round table in the kitchen. So we put the light up, and you wouldn't think a small thing (laughs) changing a light would make a difference, but it did. It made the table cozy, and, you know, we were sitting in the bay window in the kitchen, and I realized that the kids began to linger, and then they began to talk, and then they began to share stories, and then they began to ask questions, and I clearly remember the day when we laughed together. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, we, we are making progress. It hasn't been easy, but we're making progress. Mm-hmm. And the kids learned that we are not very good with computers. <laughs> <laughs> we are not technical wizards. Uh-huh. <laughs> so uh, it was wonderful to have them in the house because My office was on the lower level, and if I had a problem, I just shouted up the stairwell. (laughs) Come fix my computer for me. (laughs) Yeah, my repair person would come. And uh, they learned from us, too. I think it took a while for them to realize how much love is in our home. Mm -hmm. But but they are very aware of that now. And uh, we weren't very demonstrative people, but we're very respectful of each other, uh, very caring. And as the years passed, they saw that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was very emotional when they both graduated from high school with honors. Awesome. But it was even more emotional when they both graduated from college with highest honors and Phi Beta Kappa and extra special honors. Awesome. Unfortunately, my husband was not able to be there. Mm-hmm. because uh, after all of that trouble uh, in 2013, uh, his aorta split, mm-hmm. and I managed to get him to the hospital. Uh, he was bleeding to death very quickly. 
he had three emergency operations. The team was uh, putting blood into him as fast as it was coming out. Mm. And uh, he knew the odds when he went to the final major surgery. And the odds were a 10% chance of being paralyzed, a 20% chance of dying. And he was in the 10% group. So he uh, had a spinal stroke during the operation, and his legs are paralyzed. And one of the reasons he said he would have this surgery is that he wanted to see the twins graduate because Mm -hmm. in his mind that was sort of crossing a finish line. Mm -hmm. But he uh, couldn't do that. And so I went, and we had a good representation from the family, but Mm -hmm. it was so emotional. Mm. And I must say, uh, when my grandson uh, graduated summa cum laude from the College of Neuroscience at the University of Minnesota, I cried. Understandably so. Understandably so. You guys have went through and accomplished a lot together as a family. Wow. Wow. And and, um, because my husband, as he said, I rolled the dice, (laughs) <laughs> because he rolled the dice, he knew that they graduated with highest honors, um, and he has lived long enough to be at our granddaughter's wedding. Uh, in fact, he escorted her down the aisle in his wheelchair. Oh. Uh, hardly oh. a dry eye. Hardly a dry eye. I, I oh. And I turned around. All these people crying. Oof. And then he he lived uh, long enough to know that his grandson is doing research in a Mayo Clinic laboratory and thinking of becoming a physician like his uh, grandfather and great-grandfather. Three generations of doctors. Amazing. Yeah. Everybody yeah. has something to be proud of. And, you know, these are such wonderful stories because, you know, I'm pretty sure in the work that you do and the, the people that you talk to um, – you know, you, you experience, you hear the stories of life gets difficult for some people. And there's a there's a tendency for people to just kind of want to sit in a corner and, you know, rock back and forth and, and let those, those dark times just consume them. But I think, you know, you need to hear stories of, you know, like your family and say, look, this is all that we went through. I mean, look at everything that we had to deal with. But look at what we did and the outcome that came, you know, about. So... Um, don't just sit there. I mean, make some proactive steps to, to get your life on a, a happier path. So, I mean, I just think it's the story is just so inspiring, just amazing. I mean, just look at when you talk about, I mean, I wasn't even there at the wedding, but when you talk about the wedding and I'm picturing, you know, here it is, granddad is, you know, I'm going to walk my granddaughter down the aisle, the, you know, the way that I can. And I mean, that's just so touching, so touching, so awesome and inspiring. Well, it was, I think, touching for many people. And, you know, when you have a series of trouble, like as we did, and and really crises, I I feel you have two basic choices. Mm -hmm. And your idea of sitting in a chair, rocking back and forth, you you can sit and rock and wait to die, Mm -hmm. or you could say, by golly, uh, (laughs) I have a mind, uh, I have some innate talent, uh, I still have some energy, and mm-hmm. I'm here, I'm alive, and what can I do with my life? Mm-hmm. And 
that's basically what we decided. We, we weren't going to just sit around because every minute is a miracle. I wasn't going to waste any of my miracle. I was going to make the most of it. And I must say I did not know that these tragedies would lead me to write eight grief recovery resources, but that's what I did. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're on my website. But then I, mm-hmm. wish, I have one of those minds where sometimes it surprises me. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> so when my husband, um, he was in the hospital eight months, and uh, he was finally dismissed to my care. And in that time, I moved us out of a house with three levels and stairs that he couldn't navigate. I put the house on the market. I cleaned out the house. And I built a, a wheelchair townhome mm-hmm. for us. And he was dismissed to my care in the townhome. And, of course, he was tired, and he'd been through therapy and required a lot more therapy. And so I turned to my occupation, as I have done so many times before, and I sat down at the computer, and I thought, I'm going to write about caregiving. And the end result, (laughs) much to my surprise, is a family caregiver series. So three books are in production now. And okay. I just started a, a fourth in the caregiver series. Oh, okay. When when will we expect those to be out? They will be out in the fall. Uh, the first one is called The Family Caregiver's Guide, uh, already on Amazon. You can see the cover on Amazon. And the second one is Affirmations for Family Caregivers. Uh, that has a beautiful cover. And then in the spring of 2016, uh Right Life Publishing will release the Family Caregiver's Journal, which is a different approach. It's not like a lot of other journals that you have seen. Okay. Okay, awesome, yeah. awesome. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and when we get back, we're going to talk some more about uh, your books, and uh, especially this one, Happy Again. So stay with me. We'll be right back. Let's return to Don't Box Me In with your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Welcome back. Today I am with uh, health and wellness author, Miss Harriet Hodgson. 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 It's I'm hard. <laughs> Hodgson. The D and the G, and uh, my mouth just doesn't want to work I around. <laughs> I know, but I looked into those big brown eyes and I was lost. Oh, goodness gracious. Well, it must have worked for you. It's been how many years for the two of you? Uh, it's 57. 57. Wow. Mm-hmm. I just wish the younger generation would learn to do it like that. that that's a soft spot for me. You know, I love long-term marriages. But uh, back to you and uh, Miss Hodgson. 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 Okay. <laughs> So, uh, like I've mentioned, you've written uh, many, many books, one of which um, that's uh, the topic of what we are talking today is Happy Again. And uh, when did you start writing that one? I started that one, oh, probably after the twins had been with us for four years. And okay. I, it, it, too, was a book that came as a surprise. But mm-hmm. uh, I was in the grocery store. 
uh, I seem to do a lot of problem solving <laughs> at the grocery store. <laughs> and uh, I met a friend, and she was pushing her cart. I was pushing mine. And she stopped and said, Harriet, you look so happy. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, well, maybe it's because I started coloring my hair. <laughs> and she said, oh, no, no, that isn't it. It's on your face. It's in your eyes. Mm-hmm. And I, I was very touched by her comment. And I went home. I actually looked in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, I do look happy. And then I asked myself, how did I get here? Mm-hmm. And so I sat down and made a list of the steps I had taken, many of which were unconscious. Mm-hmm. And the steps became a talk. And the talk became the book, Happy Again. Cool. Awesome. So what steps did you take to be happy again? Uh, well, first of all, I think you have to start small. Uh-huh. Yeah, and you have to get up in the morning and say to yourself, I'm going to find something to be happy about today. Okay. And I would be happy about little things, like if the coffee was especially good that morning, that would make me happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I was going to see a friend, that would make me happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you start with, you know, you find something to be happy about. I think some people who are grieving, especially if you're grieving for multiple losses, mm-hmm. may be reluctant to laugh. Okay. And you have to give yourself permission to laugh. I mean, a lot of funny things happen in life, and you just have to be uh, aware of them. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, taking our younger daughter out to dinner Uh, at a very nice restaurant in Minneapolis and I had a glass of wine and we started telling stories and we started laughing and we laughed so hard that I really thought we could you know may get thrown out of the restaurant (laughs) and then I thought I haven't had a belly laugh since our daughter Helen died Mm. and it just felt so good and I thought it's okay to laugh and our daughter Helen was absolutely a riot. I mean, Mm -hmm. people said she could have been a stand-up comic. (laughs) And so now, when I have a good belly laugh, I dedicate it to my daughter, Helen. And so, you know, laugh. I think you have to be careful about the people you spend time with. I think uh, everybody has people in their lives that kind of bring you down Mm -hmm. instead of lifting you up. Uh, and you know who they are. For th- for these people, the the glass of life is always half empty, True. never half full. True. And so I try to avoid these people. And I hate to admit this <laughs> on talk radio, <laughs> but I would finally just if if I met one of these people and they started in with their negative stories, I would look at my watch and say, "Oh, I'm so sorry. I have to run." <laughs> I have a doctor's appointment. And that I'm, would take care of it. I'm sure there's people listening say, oh, that's what Harry was doing when she did. <laughs> oh, the jig's up now. <laughs> they know now. <laughs> and then some other things. I, I think I cannot emphasize enough uh, how uh, self-empowering it is to write. And you don't have to be a writer to write. Mm-hmm. You can keep a journal. You can keep a diary. You can just jot down a few words in a notebook. 
But what's so wonderful about writing regularly, let's say in a journal, is that you begin to see thoughts that you thought you had kept hidden. You begin to see problems, and uh, maybe you didn't think they were such big problems, but they keep turning up. But most important, if you keep at it, you begin to see solutions, Mm -hmm. and it is amazing. Um, There are wonderful books to teach you how to to approach journaling, uh, but I just think, you know, don't make it a big deal. Just jot down a few sentences. You might say, today was a better day than yesterday. Mm-hmm. Or you might even write, I can keep a journal, mm-hmm. whatever it is. And so I turn to writing, and many people have asked if I keep a journal, which I do not, mm-hmm. because all of my books are really journals. They are really all come from my life. Okay. I so... think an, another thing that we can do is, I, I cannot explain the psychological dynamics, but when you give to others, no matter what is going on in your life, when you give to others, it makes you feel better. And I know our daughter, Helen, there were many times she didn't have any money, mm-hmm. uh, hardly any money, but she would bake a pie and bring it over for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, she would take some uh, strawberries to a friend mm-hmm. or bring them a cutting from a plant. And so even though she didn't have much, she continued to give to others, and I learned from that. And I, I give away a lot of books. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my royalties aren't going to get me to the bus stop, let alone <laughs> Vegas. <laughs> Won't be the next uh, Donald Trump uh, for your uh, your uh, royalties. <laughs> no, because I give so much away. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's but okay. they say the blessing is in being a blessing to somebody else, though. You know. Yes, and and when when you talk about don't box me in, think mm-hmm. of ways to share yourself and That's basically give yourself away. Because That's right. so many people have told me that it made them feel better. Even if you do nothing, then take a neighbor to uh, a doctor's appointment or pick up groceries for a neighbor. Just you know, something uh, small can yield big results. True. And I, I could think... go on and on about the steps <laughs> that I took to, to make my, you know, to make me happy. But I think in the end, you have to believe in your in yourself because each of us deserves happiness. Mm-hmm. And you know, the Constitution guarantees us the right to pursue happiness. But happiness is not a chase. Happiness mm-hmm. comes from within. True. And uh, it, it's something we create for ourselves, and it, it's something we are capable of creating. So in order to do that, that means you have to let go of resentment, and you have to process anger, uh, forget grudges. There, there's no room in the equation for that. And uh, you can do it brick by brick. You can create a happy life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do something... In honor of my loved ones, I uh, sat down and thought about the four family members who had died, and I thought of a positive trait that each of them had. And I decided to make that trait part of my life. Mm. So in the case of my daughter, I already mentioned her sense of humor. Mm -hmm. So I, I dedicate all hearty laughs to her, 
Mm-hmm. And it makes me remember her, and it links me to her emotionally, maybe, but not physically. My father-in-law was one of the most ethical people I have ever met in my life. And so I stand up more for what I think is right in life than, than I did before. And that is in honor of my father-in-law. My brother and I loved books. And we lived at a time when television was new. We grew up at that time. We didn't get a television set until I was a senior in high school. Mm. And so our joy was playing games. Who would have thought of that? (laughs) Yeah, when we played Canasta and Monopoly and we went to the library and took home as many books as we could carry. Mm-hmm. And my love of books began then. Mm-hmm. And so uh, in his memory, I volunteered at the library uh, as long as I could. After I became my husband's caregiver, I had to stop doing that. But that's another reason why I give away books mm-hmm. in his memory. And then finally, my former son-in-law uh, was a man of nature who loved the Mississippi knew the Mississippi River uh, and the inlets and the wildlife. And so in his honor, I observed nature far more closely than I ever did. And one of the first things I did when we moved into our townhome is I put up three bird feeders so we could observe the wildlife. I like that. I've I've never, that's very unique to me. I've never heard that. I really like that. to take on or to incorporate something, a trait of the person into your life. I really, really like that. Yeah, I call it an action memorial because you are remembering them, them, but you have taken action on that memory. And when you do that, then your loved ones are always part of your life. I really enjoy that. I mean, and that's the way, you know, because when you really love, you have feelings for somebody who's no longer here, there's a tendency to want to hold on in some sort of way. And here's a way that you can and be healthy about it. Because sometimes the ways we try to hold on to lost ones, loved ones is, you know, unhealthy. But this is a very healthy way to hold on to a, a lost loved one. I think so. And I would recommend it to other people. I've found it very helpful. And the other thing I'm doing, I'm sure you've heard of keeping a happiness jar. Mm-hmm. That's a hot trend today. It's mm-hmm. all over the Internet. Uh, well, I keep two jars. So I have my regular happiness jar, and then I have a caregiving happiness jar. And I wrote write for a website called the caregiverspace.org, uh, and I wrote an article about keeping a caregiver happiness jar, and I do not necessarily put a piece of paper in there with a note every day, but I'm finding that I put out uh, put in outstanding things. And for example, several weeks ago, after much therapy, uh, a therapist turned to my husband and said, "Now take a step." And they, they were supporting him, one person on each side, and he had a walker. But when he took that step, I could first of all, I couldn't believe the request, take a step. Mm-hmm. And then I couldn't believe my eyes when he took the step. I just wanted to sit down and bawl for a week. I mm-hmm. couldn't believe it. And just a week ago, a therapist who had worked with him 
and hadn't seen him in a while. She had been uh, on a, another uh, part of the floor. But she came into the gym, saw him with a walker, making his way down the length of the gym. And all of a sudden I heard her voice say, I'm going to cry. Aww. And she did. And she was so moved. And, of course, everybody else got teary. And I have been at uh, most every one of the, his rehab sessions to cheer him on, mm-hmm. to box him in, to cheer him on. But I have seen miracles. I mean, the oh. first step is a miracle. And oh. it, I, I think he will reach his goal uh, to be able to walk uh, a few steps with a walker. I think that is in his mind, and I think he's going to make it so. I know he will. I, I, yeah. I, I, I know he will. All the therapists, yeah. Awesome, awesome. I just, I just love you guys. Just awesome. Just everything is just so awesome. That is amazing. Uh, here, we're going to take our last commercial break of the day. I'm going to kind of wipe my tears away, and I'll be right back with you right after this. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello, hello. Today I have been spending time with an amazing woman with an amazing story. Uh, she's the author of the book Happy Again, Miss Harriet Hodgson. And, um, you know, I had to kind of take a quick breather. Everything in your story is just so, so touching. And I had to kind of wipe my eyes there. Congratulations and kudos to your son, uh, your, your husband there for, uh, the progress that he's made. Uh, wow. He's, uh, coming along real nicely there but i'm pretty sure his cheerleader has a lot to do with that (laughs) i will always i will always be his cheerleader i love it i love it i love it so uh we've talked about the book happy again and you also mentioned that you got some books coming out a series of books coming out about caregiving the family caregiver caregiver's guide um tell me a little bit uh, name some titles of some other stuff you've written because uh you have written for 30 something years now uh, well, it's 37, and okay. I figure, uh, I mean, I've been typing in the basement all these <laughs> years, and if you've typed in the basement for 37 years, something should happen. And That's it right. Yeah, stop typing in the basement. <laughs> you so. should do something else with your life, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. So uh, I've written um, books about Alzheimer's. I was my mother's caregiver, family caregiver for nine years. And that's Alzheimer's Finding the Words. Um, I've written a book um, called uh, Writing to Recover, um, and that's published by Centering Corporation. Um, I've written uh, Help, I'm Raising My Grandkids, uh, (laughs) which is on Amazon, uh, a book of quotations called The Spiritual Woman, and... uh, well, it's it's just quite a list. Another one is Smiling Through Your Tears, and uh, that's uh, about anticipatory grief. And uh, people can find out more about them by going to my website, which is www.harrietthodgson.com. And the books uh, are on Amazon. You will see them. Or they can go to www. 
right, W-R-I-T-E, life.com. And uh, as I said, the, the caregiving books, I'm surprised, they're, they're not coming out until the fall, but if you want to pre-order, they are on Amazon already. And because I have a graduate in degree in art, um, I have great influence over the covers, and so I have chosen the cover photos for the book. Okay. Yeah. I noticed you as the the grandparent that you are. You were, you know, quickly giving out those websites and stuff like that. And I remember you said before you weren't really good with the computer. So I'm assuming that your grandparents have, I mean, your grandchildren have really introduced you to this internet world out there, have they? Well, yes. And I and I write for three (laughs) three websites right now. Okay. Uh, What are the websites that you write for? Well, I write for the caregiver space. Dot mm-hmm. org, and I write for one called The Grief Toolbox, and I write for a website called ezinearticles.com, which is like electronic magazine, ezinearticles.com, and I have 1,112 articles. On oh, cool. Yeah. So, so yeah. the grandkids have something to pat themselves on the back for introducing grandma to, right? Well, I was using the computer before. I'm just, I mean, I, I'm great with uh, you know, text editing and all of that. I'm not great with links and, and repairs, <laughs> you know, and the vocabulary. I don't even, you know, mm-hmm. get the vocabulary. But uh, <laughs> I have learned from them. Uh, and on the other hand, I think, you know, they've learned some things from me. True, uh, true. But I, but I think so. I just... Uh, I obviously writing helps me a great deal and I've had so many people say, well, you know, Harriet, now that you are a caregiver, you're going to have to give up writing and they said now that you're your grandchild's children's guardian, you're going to have to give up writing and I know that they were had, you know, good intentions, well-meaning advice and I didn't follow it. Mm-hmm. Because I thought if I give up writing, it's another death in the family, and it mm-hmm. will be mine. And so I decided to keep right on doing what I do. I speak for free. I speak about creating your own happiness. I'm giving a workshop uh, at the end of April on coping with compassion fatigue, how to uh, avoid it. It used to be called burnout. Now it's mm-hmm. called compassion fatigue. Uh, and I'm giving talks about uh, getting your book published because in the computer age, everybody can be an author. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have lived through many changes in the publishing industry. It's been interesting to watch and, and challenging to live. <laughs> but uh, I'm determined that I'm, I'm going to hang in there and uh, keep producing as long as I can. Well, as much as you've overcome and flourish from I would not expect for some changes in the writing industry to slow Harriet down one bit so well I hope not okay um you know we talked about grief a lot but we're kind of mentioning a lot that I want to make sure I take uh note of you are a caregiver now and you mentioned before that you were a caregiver for your mom who um suffered from Alzheimer's um do you have any uh, suggestions? You talk about a topic uh, in your book called self-care. How is it that uh, the person who's who's providing, who's being the caregiver, um, how how do they get, have self-care? I know for you it was uh, writing, 
probably was one of those things. But what other tools or tips? Because it can be so overwhelming, I'm assuming, to be somebody's caregiver. That's a large chunk of your life. Um, oh, it, yeah, it can take over your life. Mm-hmm. The, the challenge is that self-care differs from one person to another. Mm-hmm. How you care for yourself may be quite different from how another person cares for themselves. And for me, it was writing. For me, it is uh, cooking. I love to cook. Um, I love to read, although I haven't had as much time to read lately. Um, I used to do a lot of artistic things, mm-hmm. uh, especially with a graduate degree uh, in art education, but I haven't been doing uh, as much of that lately. But I think it's important not to give up on yourself. So don't throw out your hobbies. Uh, try and keep a couple of them mm-hmm. uh, because, th- you know, it's important to retain that part of your identity. I don't see people as often as I used to, and that's something I'm working on now uh, because caregiving can be isolating. Mm-hmm. So you have to find ways to um, connect with other people. Um, I w- we were very touched a week ago. My husband had not been to our church for more than 18 months because he had been hospitalized and ill so long. And so we started out early, and I loaded him up in the wheelchair van and drove us to church, and it was a very emotional experience. I did not know so many people were thinking of us, and so many people welcomed him. It, it was just heart-melting, forget-warming, heart <laughs> And so we're going to try and do more of that. So if you aren't connected with a religious or spiritual community, I would suggest that. But one thing is very important, and it may sound odd, but you have to embrace quiet. Mm. And you have to have some quiet time each day. Otherwise, you may lose yourself. Otherwise, you may not know quite where you are in life. You may lose your way. And you have to stay in touch with your soul. And my soul kept telling me, write about this, write about this. And I realize now, uh, as I have grown older, that my mission has evolved in life. When our daughters were young, my mission was to love and protect them. And that mission then switched to my twin grandchildren, the fraternal twins, to love, protect, and nurture them. And now my mission is to help my husband. And I think my mission is also to keep writing books that help others. And so that's what I intend to do. And that's what we look forward to. Um, you know, we have come to the end of our hour. I've so enjoyed your family's story today, and I thank you for sharing it and your time with me today. Uh, real quick, I just have a quick question. Before I do go, though, we've mentioned the wonderful grandkids, um, and, you know, your husband got an opportunity to um, escort your granddaughter uh, down the aisle. Are there any great-grandchildren in the works? Not yet. Okay. I don't ask. Okay. All righty. Well, Harriet, I have so enjoyed my time with you today. Uh, Thank you. Oh, you are wonderful, wonderful. Give us the website one more time and spell it out so everybody can uh, make sure they can get to you. www.harrietshodgson.com. 
All righty, everybody go there, pick up a copy of any of the books, two, three, four of the books. Uh, just read. She's wonderful stories she has to share with you guys. Once again, Harriet, thank you for spending time with me today. That is all for this week's show. I'll be back next week at the same time. Until then, remember when it comes to your dreams, the words can't and won't should never slow you down. There is always space to change and to grow. Don't be boxed in. Live your very best life. I am your host, Lana Reed, and I'll see you all next week. <music> 